everybody. Welcome. It's Toby Miller here. This is the Cultural Studies Podcast, and I'm in Norshopping, but I'm in a satellite of Lin Shopping, really, yeah. Lin Shopping University here in Norshopping, with my host and new friend Martin Fredriksson. How is my pronunciation of your name? It is fairly good. What's, yeah. the, what's the, the real way of pronouncing it? The real way, I would say, in Swedish or in English? Either uh, way. Either way. Well, in Swedish, I would pronounce it Martin Fredriksson. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's good. And in English, you would say Martin Fredriksson. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except when the dentist in the United States calls you. What? When the dentist in the United States calls you from the waiting room, and who knows what he or she's going I to would call ne- you. I would never go to a dentist in the United States. And why is that? <laughs> I don't trust them. <laughs> I hardly even go to them in Sweden. Don't trust dentists? No. Why not? No, that's interesting. <laughs> no. Where does this mistrust of dentistry come from? Instinct, you could say. Right. No. Childhood. Probably, Early childhood probably, probably, trauma. Probably, yeah. But we're not here to talk about your dental peccadillos and interests. We're here to talk about your work. Mm-hmm. And we have in front of us your book uh, with... Okay, well, we can, uh, we can start again. Sorry about that. Yeah. So, Martin, we're talking about your, your new book, yeah. co-edited with James Arvanitakis' Piracy. Yeah. So, anyway, we've been working on this one for a while. We released it just this summer. Uh, we started working on it in uh, 2011 because we were approached by a publisher who sort of asked us generally, broadly, if we wanted to do, to do anything. And we've been talking for a while about doing something together on the issue of piracy because, because we've been, been, been interested in concept of piracy for a long time noticing that there is a lot of there's a lot of work at that time there had been a lot of work done about piracy i'm talking about media piracy digital piracy downloading piracy done by the industry by the media industry asking asking how can we handle this and how will the music industry survive and so forth and those are relevant questions yes but we wanted to take another approach because we felt that that piracy is much bigger than that. It's just not a matter of the media industry. It's a matter of, of, of how we relate to commodities, in a sense, mm. where we draw the distinctions between public and private. And there are a lot of different aspects that comes into the concept of piracy. So we, we, we posted a general call for, for papers taking more of a social, cultural perspective on piracy and came up with this one. So it it's, consists of uh, 17 contributions from around 12 different countries, I think, four continents, um, that looks at how piracy, what piracy means in different cultural contexts. Uh, it looks at media piracy, but it also raises issues like uh, access to public space, use of use of urban space, those kind of sort of... So, so it, it approaches piracy from the perspective, you could say, of, of it sees piracy as some challenges and negotiations around resources that are in the in the gray zone between public and private where it's not really li- like like a shopping mall for instance mm. it's not it's not it's, it's, there are, it, it might be privately owned but it publicly it's publicly used in a way so so and that those are and and you, that's where you get conflict when people for instance political organizations to, or, or activist organizations want to use that public space for discussions while the, 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 those who own the, the, the space are sort of trying, trying to enclose it 
So in a sense, it's 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 about enclosures, you could say. And that puts it into a long history of libertarian leftism, really. Yeah, yeah. Is that fair to say? This idea of enclosure as a key element in the formation of the working class, but also the dispossession yeah, exactly. of ordinary working people's experiences. Yes, absolutely. There is there is a long connection to that. There is, I mean, also, I mean, since the 90s, concert, there, there has been this, this discussion about what James Boyle called the second enclosure movement, where he sort of talked about, uh, he talked about how media industry or copyright owners, you could say, media companies, privatize public discourses through copyright and intellectual property. Um, and he calls, called this the second enclosure movement, referring back to the first enclosure movement, that is the enclosure of public land in England. Uh, and sort of making a parallel between seeing these as two, two parallel or analog movements of enclosures, but of different kinds of resources, you could say. Mm. And also drawing from, 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 also touching on that, that issue, that the, the core issue here being is, 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 are those resources best managed as commons or are they best managed as private property? Mm. Now, you mentioned Jamie Boyle, who's got a very international perspective. Mm. You also mentioned that in your book you have people from 12 countries and I think you said four continents. Yeah. Do you discern particular differences in the way they address this question that might be associated with their countries of origin or the places where they live? Yeah. Well, partly, uh, because it's interesting, I mean, it's very interesting, for instance, to talk to, to, to uh, I have a Chinese colleague in this, or I have several, several Chinese colleagues in it, but I have particularly one Chinese colleague who's writing and working a lot with piracy and sort of seeing it from a mainland Chinese perspective, seeing piracy as a way to circumvent censorship. So in that context, piracy is, is becomes, becomes uh, a project of, you could say, a project of education or a project of enlightenment and sort of towards freedom of ideas. But also, it's also interesting, an issue he raises in that book. On the other hand, you could see how, or he argues that American media companies or film producers are also actively using piracy to distribute films in mainland China. The way that Microsoft used, used piracy to, to, or endorsed not officially, but but unofficially endorsed piracy as a way to to promote their software, for instance. As as I mean, Bill Gates once actually said that if they're going to pirate anything, we want them to pirate us because we'll sort of they'll get sort of addicted and we'll sure. find a way to cash in. So so in that sense, piracy can be piracy. Yes, piracy in 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 that context could could be a, a way to 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 circumvent censorship, but it could, could also be a way for commercial in way. For commercial interests to sort of cash in in other ways. Cheap and effective marketing. Yeah, cheap and effective mm -hmm. marketing. Mm -hmm. And of course Sweden has been one of the world centers when it comes to borrowing, appropriating, yeah. channeling yeah. Yeah. culture yeah. through unofficial quasi-market channels. Yeah. yeah. Is that you fair say to that. say? Yeah, it's fair to say you could also say that, 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 that it has been an infamous Pirate haven, 
But yeah, it's it's it depends on what perspective you take on that. Um, but it, yeah, absolutely, it's it's true. And Sweden has also and that's another thing that I'm working on, been working on on a project for the past three years. That's not really in this book, uh, but it's it has also been uh, you could say a, a hub for the politicization of culture, politicization of piracy, mm-hmm. with, with a with the most since sort of the round mid around 2004-2005 several sort of organizations in Sweden have been emerged partly like in similar to like Electronic Frontiers Foundation mm-hmm. those kind of organizations mm-hmm. arguing against against what we, what they call copyright expansionism that is this what Boyle calls the, the second copyright movement uh, soon after that in 2006 uh, Sweden sort of made it to the headlines across Europe and probably the United States but for, but with, with the, the Pirate Party, the political party. I don't know if you know about the Pirate mm-hmm. Party. Yeah. But please talk yeah. about it. Yeah. The Pirate Party, which was formed in Sweden in January 2006, um, more out of a whim from a guy called Ulrich Alfinge, and um, it kind of had a huge immediate impact, both in Sweden and, and abroad in Europe mainly. Um, and the, the main idea of the Pirate Party at that stage was to 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 just legalize file sharing. That was the the, the, the core issue that they, they advocated for that. Uh, over time, that evolved into a more sort more, sort of more of a comprehensive agenda, and a quite similar agenda or a different agenda as well. But but uh, that's sort of the starting point, um, and that's what my other project is about really. So that's what I've been doing the, the last three years, studying the ideology of pirate sharing, you could say, and how, how that, mm. and that part, the, the, the spread, and the emergence and spread of the pirate party in Sweden, Europe, the United States, some in Australia. So it's been a really fun project, really. I've been tra- traveling around the world, speaking to pirates, interviewing pirates. What are they like? Uh, they are much more heterogeneous than I expected. They are not at all as geeky as I expected. Some of them are. They're they're there they definitely, but they're they're quite quite diverse actually. Um, many of them are are. Um, what what I expected when I started that project was to meet to meet a set of tech oriented geeks talking about talking about file sharing. What what I did meet was. Uh, Quite a wide bunch of different people talking about democracy. Uh, so it quite soon turned out that, that that sort of file sharing issue wasn't really that important for those people. Uh, it's it it sort of more more turned out turned into some 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 kind of a some kind of a democracy vague democracy movement that caught on some people from the, from the green movement, the environmentalists, especially in the United States, uh, and also some people from from like Occupy, for instance, but also some people who are not not really that political, uh, not they're really that left wing, but more like sort of general soft core libertarians, mm. sort of hadn't been politically organized before, but just sort of says, yeah, well, I'll go into that. Yeah. So it's it's hard to say exactly what they're like. They they're very funny to talk to. That's one 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 thing that actually uni- uni- unifies them all. That they're they're. They're very funny to talk to. They've got a sense of whimsy of yeah, they humor. do. Yeah, they do, and they do have a have a sort of a strong, strong, strong commitment in a sense. Mm. So, so. Mm. 
And what's your take on all of this? You know, sum it up for us. Pro, anti, fence riding, depends on the circumstance. Well, I, I guess I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be fence riding not everything, but but no, <laughs> generally, generally you could say that yes, I, I agree with the initial the the way they formulate the problem that there is a problem with copyright expansionism. There is a problem when intellectual property is used to privatize resources that resources that people feel to be common, mm. that people mm. think should be common. Um, and that's, but that's really, I mean, that's, that's, and that taps in, but that taps into a wider problem, really, a wider problem of, about privatization. Could be privatization of schools, could be privatization of hospitals, universities, you know, it's sort of, it's all part of a bigger picture, really. Um, so, so yes, I, get, I guess there is, I do, I do have some sympathies, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do, do you have a critique? Well, I have, one critique is that they, they, tend to I mean they tend to make it they, like most new social movement they try to avoid the left right issue they try mm. to say no mm. we're not we're not left right we're post left right we're mm. post political or whatever you know? uh, and and I think that's why they never really get an impact they, that's why they never really manage to formulate a credible alternative because in the end it comes down to what I just said it comes down to the distinction about public and private property, particularly property commodities, mm -hmm. which is essentially mm -hmm. a political question. Right. You can't really, I don't think you can solve that. So you can't really solve the, the question of, of, of sort of problem with the, that second inclusion movement without really solving, uh, with a, without addressing, mm. without formulating some kind of credible critique against capitalism, basically, which is what it is. And then the, se the second the second problem there also is that we're sort of, I mean, now people are start, starting to talk about th a third incursion movement. So, so the problem that emerged in the 90s and early 2000s that copyright owners were sort of enclosed, fencing in culture, making it inaccessible to people, is something that sort of capitalism is beginning to solve. On its own way, in its own ways, through, through streaming media, through Spotify, through through Netflix, and those kind of services, that are in one way, that are yes, they are providing access to 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 culture and information in a reasonably for a reasonably fair fair price. You know, so it's, it's pretty cheap. You know, so so it's not so so in a sense you could say that they're they're they are solving that problem halfway. Uh, on the other hand, you could say that there's still it's it's still an enclosure because there's still uh, if we're talking about access to culture as a way to also remix to to use culture to circulate culture then 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 stream media is still enclosed in the sense that you can't really do anything with it you can just consume it you remain a consumer you remain a passive consumer uh, instead of for instance with a with a peer to peer network where you can download a file you can tinker with it you can remix it you can do stuff like that so so it's 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 uh, in that sense that third enclosure movement is is me meeting 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 the open the ideology of openness halfway by providing the content content 
but not really releasing it. Mm. Mm. And at the same time, of course, sourcing the data from the users. So that's the, that's the trade. You know, you're getting access to, to, to intellectual property in, as, as a consumer, but you're also giving up information that becomes new intellectual property to, to, to the, the, those providing so. What about the average pirate, as in not the person who can write code or hack, mm. just the person who wants to see a TV show yeah. or wants to listen to a song mm. and it's not available or it's not available for free in yeah. the territory where they live? Yeah. What are they like? Well, as you say, they're average. They're everywhere. It's 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 every it's anyone really. It can, it can be it be. Uh, I mean, most people do that. Um, so it's hard to say what they're like. Uh, I think what one of one of our there is one one article in this book written by a couple of Australians, uh, Francesca Barimino and Jonathan Marshall. Uh, the title is "Piracy is Normal, Piracy is Boring." And there are, yeah, it is it is a fantastic title because it's, it's <laughs> Johnny Depp does yeah. not deserve all your no, money. No, no, exactly. <laughs> so they're saying that yeah, well, piracy that that piracy in that sense that you're saying when you're sort of it's it's just, it's just an extension of consumer consumer behavior. We're just basically doing what we've been taught to do as consumers. That is, access it, get what you want, get it now, get it as cheap as possible. Mm. That's the logic mm. of consumerism. Mm. It's just sort of that that it's 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 beyond 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 consumer. So, so, so in that sense, yeah, but piracy is that that part of piracy is is, is very mundane, but um, and then everyone everyone does it. But it might still, I mean, it can still be political. It can still be political in the sense that it that it addresses political questions. Like a bread riot can be political, even though it's not political enough to. to, to. Now, in terms of this book, how can people get hold of it? Oh, they can they can order it they can they can order it for instance from from the the publisher called Litwin Litwin Books. Uh, they could probably order order it on 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 Amazon, I assume. Can they download it illegally? They can find it probably here and there, some some bits and projects. But you're not going to give the addresses. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> if, they, if if they know their business, they'll they'll they'll. They'll uh, find a way. There, through. there are. I mean, no, there. Actually, if they go to, I mean, the the. the Individual authors are, have probably posted their parts of it at their own depositories, university depositories, like the introduction is posted at my, my at right. University, right. so legally also. So, so Abby get, Hoffman in about 1970 brought out a book that I used to own called Steal This Book. Oh, yeah. mm. And the idea was you would take it from the bookstore wherever you found it. Yeah. Um, and in terms of some of your other work, Martin, uh, on piracy, is that about to come out, or is that already available? Well, so some of it is, is out in, in, in a couple of articles. Most of it is about to come out, so it's in, in, in peer review or in different mm. stages of publication. Uh, eventually, there might be a book, but it's further in, in the Further future, down the yeah, line. So yeah. where are the couple of places where it's already available that people might find? Now, let's see. You have one in... Uh, I forget the, what I do as soon as I release it. Uh, you have you have one thing in an ebook um, whose name I forgot. Uh, you have one thing coming out in International Journal of Communication soon. International Journal of Communication, yeah. mm -hmm. which is available free online. I think so. Yes. Yeah. 
uh, you have the rest of it. The rest of those those things are, are still in pipeline. Still in play. Yeah. yeah. So we're very lucky to have you yeah. speak about some. So of those th that's a project that I'm sort of finishing this this spring. Yeah. So it's it's there's some different things in, in, in the hope that, that it's not really out there yet. And you mentioned to me before we started recording that you have another project yes. upcoming. Can yes. you tell us a little bit about that? That's a new, really fun project that I'm really excited about. Uh, it's it's uh, Yeah, you were sounding as though you were yeah, over piracy. Yeah, over, well, yes, I'm, or I would say beyond piracy. Beyond piracy. Beyond piracy. Maybe that's BP. BP. Perhaps beyond piracy could be the title of the book, if it turns into a book. That is a great title. Thank you. Beyond, beyond piracy. piracy. That is really, yes, uh, absolutely. So this is beyond piracy. It's called that. That project is called Commons and Commodities. So it's so it's it mm -hmm. starts in one way. You can say it starts with it, where the, where the other project ends. Uh, it starts with the the discussion about uh, intellectual commons or digital commons, or knowledge commons, or digital commons. But, but the, the the idea of that sort of common common intellectual resources that are being used by by the copyright industry and the the, the metaphor of the commons. Uh, but then it sort of reconnects that to to other kinds of commons, those who were initially initially referred to by the word commons. So it's it connect reconnects that to to the idea of environmental commons and common land and so on. So it's and and somewhere in the mix it also involves Indigenous culture and appropriation of indigenous culture. Mm. So it, it basically rests on three three legs. One one is a study study that attempts to sort of sum up the discussions about the information commons or the knowledge commons that has been going on since the nineties. Um, the other one is looking at uh, current attempts to handle uh, the access to privatization of traditional knowledge. And when I say that, I, I for instance, refer to how pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies from the West or from international pharmaceutical com companies go to the third world and, and sort of source information, source mm -hmm. material to, to make commercial, com commercialize it and, and sell it, make, make commercial drugs out of it. Using IP, of course, because that's and that's that's one one process of privatization. You could say it's it's sort of common knowledge knowledge that is has been common and traditional within certain groups that are privatized by Western companies and sometimes even sold back to those groups. Mm -hmm. So that's one one aspect of of all the privatization or enclosure of commons uh, that sort of rests between the sphere of the, the material sphere of information and the material sphere of environmental resources. And then the third aspect of this project is uh, strictly environmental commons, for instance, that are privatized, for instance, through, through mines, you could say. It looks at some, some, some few cases in the northern parts of Sweden where there's been mining, mining, uh, mining on, on indigenous lands, which are traditionally used for, for rain herding. And the conflicts around that, and how people negotiate negotiate access to that land, and how attempts to privatize their, that land is sort of affects people who have been using it for generations. Uh, we're comparing that to different cases in similar cases in Australia, for instance. 
So that's, that's, I think, a really interesting project, exciting project to work with, because it's sort of, it has a thematic focus in a way, but it still has uh, an empirical diversity. Mm. So I'm really excited to see how those different empirical materials play out and interact. Mm. Mm. I might assume from this that the Swedish Academy, I mean, Academy with a lowercase yeah, a, yeah. Swedish University and Research System, allows red-hot Marxism to get money <laughs> well, to swan around the country yes. and other countries. Yes, well, I mean, you wouldn't... <laughs> uh, I would not use that formulation in an application. <laughs> no <laughs> it's, kidding. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's a matter of how you put it, you know. Uh, but, uh, I mean, the, you, could, you could at least, I mean, you, you can't deny that there are conflicts around those issues. You mm. can't deny mm. that there are conflicts mm. around how to handle, handle dis distinctions between public and private. So, Mm. If there is a conflict, there is a problem, and then you can formulate a way to approach that problem. Um, and then you hide the politics in there. Such a wonderful diplomat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, it, sounds, it is a very exciting project, and I can see how it has both informed and grown out of your piracy work. Yeah. I wonder if we could take a step back now and think about uh, how you got to be Martin Fredrickson. Mm-hmm. Um, go back to your intellectual itinerary, your journey, as it were. Okay. Is that all right? Yeah, sure. Because it, it, people often are interested in how you got to be who you are as, yeah. you, as a professional person. Yeah. So how did you formulate this interest in intellectual property, the commons, privatization, mm -hmm. publics, and so on? Did you, you know, when, when you were 19, did someone inject you with a Habermas... Virus? Not really, no. Not, no, 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 virus. no, no, digital virus either. I'm sort of quite, quite it, well, I started out, uh, my undergraduate degrees were, were, were in, in uh, comparative literature and, and art, so I started out with the, on the humanities side. When I started my PhD, I was still sort of working with, with the sociology of literature, you could say. So I started, but I was interested in in uh, in the issue of copyright because I've stumbled over I'd stumbled over uh, Foucault's text what is an author and realized that there is a sort of that there, there were quite a lot of theoretical cultural theoretical implications around the concept of authorship and and uh, copyright this is a uh, Foucault's wonderful essay yeah 1969 what is an author yeah fantastic yeah isn't it? yeah it is great. And then the year before that, you have had uh, Lorraine Barthes. Uh, death of an author. Death of an author. So, yeah. oh, death of the author. Death, so, yeah. 1968, yeah. Barthes, 1969, yeah. Foucault. And uh, if you ever wanted to know the difference between the two people yeah. Yeah. as intellectuals, it's yeah. there. But the richness of that yeah. thought yeah. suffuses so yeah. many debates yeah. over the 45, 44 years. Yeah. Exactly, because it, because it destabilizes a concept that had been taken for granted. It destabilizes the idea that. You have an author, and then the text is the product of the author, and yeah. it instead asks, okay, what Foucault asks, okay, says that, okay, well, maybe the author is the product of the text. Yeah. Maybe the, the author is something that we construct based on a text or a number of texts that we attribute to that author. And that is, it is, it is, it's, it's a profoundly intriguing idea. Do we need to know about Nietzsche's laundry list? 
Is that what exactly? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then for Bart, it's you know the birth of the reader must come at the yeah. expense of the death yes. of the author. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, and it's a tissue of quotations that yeah. makes texts. In Bart's case, and it's yeah. an administrative apparatus yeah. that generates the fiction of authorship. In yeah. Foucault's case, wonderful. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so fortunately, the world was saved from one more conventional comparative literature scholar. Yeah. By your stumbling into this. Exactly. World. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, pretty much you could say, and and. Uh, Starting from that, I, I, I decided that I want to write about copyright. So I, I started writing about Swedish, t taking taking Swedish empirical material. And I started writing, I thought I'd got to start somewhere, so I started writing this sort of Swedish copyright history and realized that that hadn't really been written and realized that was sort of pretty much what I'd been chewed down in four years. So, so the, in the end, my PhD, my dissertation was about, may, may, you could say, cultural cultural analysis of Swedish copyright history until 19, from, from 18, or basically the 18th century until 1960. So I spent four years in the archives looking at old, old protocols, basically, looking at sort of the preambles and things like that stuff. Um, and when I, when I finally came out of the archives in 2009, <laughs> I felt that I, I, I need to do something contemporary. I need to speak someone. <laughs> To speak to someone. I need to get out of this country. Get away from dust. Get away. Get away from dust. Get away from books. Get away from Sweden. So, so I, I, I formulated problem the project. I want to formulate a project that could say, let me work with contemporary issues, get me in touch with interesting people, and get me out of Sweden. And at that point, the Pirate Party had just entered the European. It got, got two seats in the European Parliament, and they were sort of making a big name of themselves in, in Germany. So abroad, so, so I figured, okay, well there, there, there it is, you know. So, so I'll do something about these guys, uh, th this social movement. So that's sort of how I stumbled into piracy. In yeah, yeah. Now, an interesting element here is that in addition to <laughs> developing all kinds of allergies in the archive, uh, you must have had to retrain yourself to understand the law. Uh, a bit, yes, a bit. Uh, it's 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 learning by doing in a sense. You you, you uh, it's not as hard as they want to make, want to, <laughs> to make it out to be. You know, as the, as hard as they want you to make to to, to think it is. Um, it takes some reading, but it's 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 not magic, you know. And of course, as a person trained in the close reading of text, that's an exactly. advantage exactly. enormously yeah. in yeah. comprehending yeah. the law. Presumably. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it takes. I mean, it takes some training to 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 distinguish between different kinds of documents. It takes some training to to sort of see how the process of um, how, how the laws are enforced and mm. so forth. But it's 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 it's. Uh, I mean, there is tradition in the in the legal occupation to sort of to to, to It's very sectoristic in a sense. Mm. It tends to be sort of cloak itself in a sense. It cloaks itself in a sense mm. mystique, you know. I think Bourdieu has written about that as well. He written about how, how the field of, of law has a very enclosed field. Um, so, so it's it. But you can get into it. Mm. And where, just to give for folks who are not familiar with the Swedish academic scene. Mm sense where did you go from doing a PhD to where you are now and what are you doing now in terms not of projects but actually your job as it were what was the departments the, you're talking about 
yeah, 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 and your title and what was all that new? Oh, I've been, I did my PhD at this department, Department of Culture Studies at Incheon University. So I did my undergraduates in, in in Uppsala University, which is a bit, bit of a more conservative place. This department where I'm still at, where I've been at since I started my PhD in 2004, uh, so I'm celebrating 10 years at this place. I never thought I'd hold actually hold a job in 10 years. Or at least work at the same place in ten years. Anyway, the difference between between you could say a place like Uppsala and a place like Linköping University is is that there is Uppsala is it's you know Swedish Sweden's oldest university. It has those traditions. It has so that's part very much its identity. While this the core of the identity of this place is interdisciplinarity in a sense. So it's a totally different kind of environment mm. to work mm. in. So uh, anyway, after I, I graduated in two thousand nine, I. I actually went to the United States for a while. Did 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 some first uh, my first pirate study, you could say, that at uh, MIT in Boston. Pilot pirates. Pi the pilot the pilot pirate pirate pilot pilot. I actually call it the pirate pilot. So so I did my pirate pilot at MIT, and then I came back here and did as as and and st started sort of a big pirate project. So I've been working ever since. I'm kind of assistant professor since then. Mm. And I guess we'll talk a little bit more about this potentially this afternoon, mm -hmm. later when we talk more about the Advanced Cultural Studies Institute of Sweden and yeah. also the journal Culture mm -hmm. Unbound. But I think a fifth of your time is spent being executive editor of that journal yes. Culture Unbound. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, I imagine, again, I don't want to mm -hmm. cut into our time talking about that later today, mm -hmm. but I'm interested in whether or not that helps or hinders you in your research work, in terms of connecting with people, but also the time spent and so forth? It's funny because it's uh, not as much as you would expect, actually. Um, it is, uh, they're quite distinct, although it is a good way to get in touch with people, it's a good way to, to build networks, but they're, mm -hmm. they're, I, I see them as, as quite different tasks. On the other hand, I mean, it's actually until quite recently that it struck me that I've been working with an open access journal for five years, which is exactly about sort of the, the issues I've been studying, mm -hmm. the, the, the access to information, etc. So there are overlaps between actually studying openness and doing it, mm -hmm. in a sense. but I've never really f reflected over that until quite, quite recently. It could have been almost any journal yeah, in that sense. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably true. I think that's one of the strengths of the journal. Mm. At the same time, of course, it suggests, given the architecture of the thing, new possibilities mm. that haven't yet been engaged in. Maybe we'll talk about those yeah. this afternoon. Yeah. Well, Martin, I want to thank you very much for joining us in the pod. Well, and I you. want to extract a promise from you, if I can, that mm. either partway through or at the end of... Mm your new data mining, as it yeah, were, yeah, yeah. more physical data mining, mm. when you go into a living archive rather mm. than the musty, dusty corridors of the Swedish legal field, mm. uh, you'll come back in and tell us about what you've discovered. I would love to. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.